This is Arrowhead Pride Radio on 610 Sports Radio. It is indeed packed house tonight. We got a bunch of dudes in studio. Welcome into the show. Sports Machine, Sean Levine, Sean Barber, Kent Swanson of Arrowhead Pride, Noah Barber, Sean's son in the house. <laughs> as well as my man Pete Sweeney, who Pete, we uh, we spend a lot of time together recently. You and I. It's more more than like a domestic partnership. It's, it, it, it's, it's more than that. You're a different guy than I thought you were a month ago when we started this rendezvous because you admitted I'm a little bit nervous. I was like, dude, we'll be just fine. And obviously the show's gotten better as we've rolled along. But yesterday you come in with the red, white, and blue bandana. I'm like, this dude really is chill. And then tonight you got the flat bill Chiefs hat <laughs> rocking. My man. Yesterday's a holiday. Okay. You don't have to explain yourself away. It's the 4th of July. Independence Day. Red, white, and blue bandana. And now we're back to business. You got to go with the Chiefs LA flat bill. My, my friends at Chiefs LA gave me this, and it's a great hat. I, if you go and connect with Chiefs LA, it's the arrowhead with some palm trees. That might be the freshest Chiefs hat I've ever seen now that I look at the details. <laughs> You're right. There are palm trees in front of the arrowhead. It's, uh, it, it's a good one. Uh, I, like, I like the look. You I, do not like some of my comparisons, though, whether we're talking sports or really anything. And one of them that we threw out yesterday was the Randall Cunningham comparison to Patrick Mahomes. And then I look at your prep, and I see that you want to compare Tyreek Hill to a certain wide receiver who um, a lot of people think is the best wide receiver in the league. Yeah, Odell Beckham Jr. with the New York Giants, and a lot of people say, you know, this is uh, not even a comparison. It came up last week. One of our listeners slash readers tweeted it in. You know, would you trade Tyreek Hill? who's the Chiefs' number one receiver, straight up for Odell Beckham Jr., and it kind of took off on SB Nation. The Arrowhead Pride to the New York Giants is Big Blue View, uh, and here's what we said last week when the question came up. Chiefs fans, pretend you're Brett Veach. If the New York Giants called and offered Odell Beckham Jr. for Tyreek Hill straight up, would you take it? Barbara, I'll turn to you. Yes. Yes, I'm doing it also. Although you got to imagine the money that you have to pay Odell Beckham the next few years. Tyreek Hill's still on his rookie contract. So the money's completely different. But Odell Beckham, you could argue right now, is the premier wide receiver in the NFL. I understand the way things were when Tyreek Hill was drafted. But he has been a saint since. Complete opposite for Odell Beckham Jr. I don't know if this is a personality you want on your team. I can I can handle personalities. I can handle all that kind of stuff. I, I thought we, we raw talent. You want to accumulate the best talent on the field at any time. You got a low paying quarter. I mean, you paying a quarterback a little bit, almost nothing. So let's go out and get the best talent around him so we can go win now. I actually think you're splitting hairs a little bit. Don't get me wrong. I'd take Beckham, but if we started to make our list of the top eight wide receivers in the league, I'd say Beckham's one, two, or three. But I'd have Tyree Hill no lower than seven or eight. Definitely. I think Tyree Hill is going to surprise both of you guys. So there you have it. Tyreek Hill, Odell Beckham Jr. And uh, granted, this is a trade. Let's be reasonable. It's never going to happen. But it interested me just because of, again, the SB Nation thing. I went on to the Big Blue View. That's the SB Nation Giants fan site. 81% of Giants fans said they wouldn't make the trade, so they like Odell Beckham Jr. 90% of Chiefs fans. That's a lot. That's a lot of Chiefs fans. You know, Odell Beckham scores a lot more touchdowns. And, Kent, that's not to say that at some point there's not going to be a crossover where Tyreek Hill scores more. But if you look at just the last 
few years for a guy who not only has had 1,300 receiving yards, 1,400 receiving yards, and 1,300 receiving yards, respectively, when he's played a full season, talking Odell Beckham, he's had 10, 13, and 12 touchdowns. I'm just not sure that Tyreek Hill is that much of a touchdown scorer. You know, I love Tyreek Hill. Do not get me wrong here. And I'm going to I'm gonna probably irritate about 90% of Arrowhead Pride readers, it sounds like. Man, Odell Beckham is on another planet. That dude, his catch radius, his route tree, you can put, you can put the ball anywhere near him. He's going to be productive. And Tyreek Hill, it's a little bit more, it's not as defined to me. Are we talking about, you know, the planet he's on when he's on TMZ, or what do you mean on the football field? I think it's the same planet Sammy Watkins is on. <laughs> Could be a similar. So the two of them would be great. Yeah, you can check my Twitter feed for it, for the video. Uh, LDB hit a awesome one hand. He stuck a route, went across field. The ball was somewhere about 15 yards above his head. He jumps up, catch the back end of the ball with one hand, keeps on moving. Those things are so unique. Um it, it, it's a it's a it's a miracle that, that a guy has such hand eye coordination as an ODB, uh, a OBJ. Um, you just can't you, you you can never pass up on a chance to get a guy like that. And though I respect Tyreek's Hill downfield speed, uh, he is the fastest receiver in the NFL. I just don't I don't think that the, the the reason I could do the trade because I think that we have a quarterback that can get the ball to OBJ. Uh, the Giants, on the other hand, I don't think. I, I, I don't think Peyton, I mean, uh, uh, Manning can actually throw the ball far enough with how fast Tyreek Hill is. But here's the thing. I mean, I know about Odell, and I know about the ridiculous touchdown numbers. We talked about it prior to, to coming on the show, Kent. But I look at Tyreek Hill, and I'm thinking, if Tyreek Hill was playing with Eli Manning, who doesn't care about interceptions, this guy will throw five picks a game. He's, he's, he's launching that football. Instead of Alex Smith, who, if you're a little bit guarded, right, he ain't throwing that football. Now he's with Patrick Mahomes. Can't it be reasonable to think that Tyreek Hill should have 10-plus touchdowns this year? I think, like, for me, I think it's more about, like, how Tyreek is productive, though. Like, for me, Tyreek, a lot of his production is, has come from being able to, to generate an explosive play off the top, over the top. And with Odell, it's if you need a third and three, if you need a third and seven, if, if it's, you know, if they're playing man coverage, you can... You know, you can put the ball in, in his area. He's going to be productive and make that play. So that's where my, you know, my focus is kind of with, with this whole argument is like how Odell can do more than what Tyreek can. Not to say that Tyreek's not good. He's great, but not the same way. I certainly think he can have 10-plus touchdowns. I expect him to have 10-plus touchdowns. If you look at the trajectory of his career, out the gates as a rookie, we thought this guy was kind of a, a, a gimmicky player. He was going to be a good punt and kick return. He turned out to be a really good wide receiver, and then his skill set developed last year even more. There's no reason to think that he won't score double-digit touchdowns, except for the fact, Pete, and we talked about this yesterday when you were in with me on the drive, that, dude, not everybody's going to get 10 touchdowns. If Kelsey's going to have 10 touchdowns, and if Sammy Watkins is going to have 10 touchdowns, and if Kareem Hunt's going to have 10 touchdowns, that's 30 right there. Do we still think there's going to be room for another guy to have 10 touchdowns and Conley to have some touchdowns, some other dudes to have some touchdowns? There's only so many touchdowns. <laughs> we, we have someone in the room in Barber who has, what did you think, the Chiefs are going to have 1,000 touchdowns this year? There's plenty of touchdowns. To go yeah, man, you heard me, 30 points, 35 <laughs> points a game. That's four touchdowns a game. Four touchdowns. Everybody gets one. Hill gets one. Hunt gets one. Uh, Kelsey gets one. And Watkins gets one every game. Well, because if I put the question back on you about Sammy Watkins, do you think that he's going to have 10 touchdowns this year? Wouldn't you say, yeah, he should? Yeah. 
that's the, that's the interesting thing about the Chiefs is you could look at any three of these players in in, in Hill, in Kelsey, and Watkins, and say uh, they're they're going to have ten touchdowns more. You're right. I mean, someone is going to suffer, and I think that's the general feeling of it. And and it, and it just depends on who Andy Reid sort of opts to use that game as the quote-unquote number one receiver. Which is why, and Kent, tell me if you agree, I think that Travis Kelsey is the glue that holds this whole thing together, and he's going to be the, maybe there's not going to be a number one target, but I think he's going to be the main target. I think he's going to be the one who gets the look first because Kareem Hunt, if he has anything close to the same season that he had last year, and you talk about adding Sammy Watkins, and of course, we mentioned Tyree Kill coming into year three, that's a lot of weapons that somebody's going to have to decide to stop in his entire career, especially the last couple of years, since he's become, quote-unquote, the elite tight end in football or top two. Travis Kelsey's faced always double coverage. He's going to face a lot of single coverage this year. So when we talk about double-digit touchdowns, we can talk Tyree Kill, we can talk Sammy Watkins. I can almost guarantee that Travis Kelsey has I'm going to go with in the teens. I'd be surprised if he doesn't have minimum 13 touchdowns this Woo, year. Yeah. yeah. I mean, hey, I mean, he's one of the most dynamic weapons in all of football. He runs routes like a receiver. Hip fluidity is rare. So you've got a guy that teams have to key on. They have to figure out a way to solve the problem of Travis Kelsey. And you're absolutely right. That creates problems for everybody else around him. So, and, and you pointed this out to me before because the Chiefs and especially Travis Kelsey – they're only good, not great when they get down in the red zone, but part of that was Alex Smith not being a risk taker. Patrick Mahomes, he's going to try to fit some balls into Travis Kelsey. That's exactly right. And, you know, that's that's probably an area, you know, the, the Chiefs like to isolate Travis Kelsey over there, single receiver side, just match him up. That's a great spot in the red zone for, for Pat Mahomes to just trust his guy. Um, I could see a lot of those kind of touchdowns, you know, getting, getting opportunities out there in the red zone over there. So we think... I mean, reasonably, or as, as far as a vote in the room, it's probably three to one that you'd make the deal for Odell Beckham Jr. But I want to talk about something different. I was looking at Tyreek Hill, and I was looking at historical Chiefs numbers this week in an article called Gauging Tyreek Hill's Chances at Becoming the Greatest Wide Receiver in History. So maybe he's not better than Odell Beckham Jr. I'll, I can say that. Okay. He has a chance, if he stays healthy, which is always the case when you're talking about anything, to become the greatest Chiefs wide receiver in history because there's only two potential other candidates. Otis Taylor and Dwayne Bow. The show. The show. I'm not suggesting that he's the answer to the question, and I'm glad that you clarified not the best pass catcher in Chiefs history because clearly that's Tony Gonzalez, who you could argue is the best at his position of all time. But, guys, how pathetic is that? And I agree with exactly what Pete's saying, that the argument is I've got the list here of the Chiefs' all-time best wide receivers. It's Otis Taylor, Dwayne Bowe, Henry Marshall, Carlos Carson, Stephon Page, Chris Burford, Eddie Kinnison. What the hell? Really? Derek Alexander makes your top ten list? It just goes to show us, Barber, how blessed we've been with the running backs. Just my lifetime. You've got Christian Okoye. You've got Priest Holmes. You've got Larry Johnson. You've got Jamar Charles. Now you've got Kareem Hunt. They've been really good at that position, but when it comes to the wide receiver position, they have been ultimately pathetic. Starting with the coach's philosophy, you know, going with Marty Schottenheimer, that run first, downhill, uh, four or five yards in the cloud of smoke. We're going to run it when you know we're going to run it. Uh, You had to feature the offensive line. You had to get guys that could run block. We was blessed to have one of the best offensive lines in the league by far, year after year after year in the early 2000s. The name, you know, like you're saying, Priest Holmes, Larry Johnson, all those running backs that ran behind that. Um, and then you talk about, you know, that tight end position. Um, having Tony Gonzalez is that we call it a middle release. That middle release, it controls the safety. It's hard for a safety to get into the proper run gap, run support, 
Um, and that opens up big, big runs um, when, when, you, when, you, when you leave a gap open, when that safety has got to be concerned about that pass-catching tight end. How did they not, though, Kent, in our lifetime, the lifetime of the franchise, not develop a better wide receiver, not trade for a better wide receiver, not draft a better wide receiver when you're talking about the franchise best? And I don't even think, Pete, there's going to be an argument about two years from now, we look back on it, we're going to go, Tyree Kill obviously is the best wide receiver in the history of the franchise, but what does that say that five years in, we're going to already say that guy's the best? I mean, it's it's stunning. I mean, I, I'll, <laughs> I'll just I'll, I'll say this. Let's, let's just theorize. Let's get out here. Let's get out here for a minute. The Chiefs haven't drafted their own quarterback, their own you know franchise leader in 30 years. It took them 30 years. Is there a correlation between the lack of production from the wide receiver group and the fact that they've never invested in the most important position in sports. I mean, some of these guys, some of the guys that have been productive in the past, uh, Golden Tate, uh, Doug Baldwin's gonna would pace to be the the best receiver in Kansas City history. So is it more correlation to the fact that the Chiefs just have never invested in the quarterback position, given a guy an opportunity like that, having a elite quarterback or a chance at an elite quarterback? That's a great point. Pete, before you make yours, real quick shout out to J.J. Bird and Snoop Menace. Go ahead. <laughs> I think that's a great point, and it's something you have to think about because you think about all the names that Tom Brady at wide receiver has made, guys that didn't have success elsewhere. And with the Chiefs never really drafting their own quarterback and, and having a quarterback whisperer, I know he's called that very you know popular around the league, with like Andy Reid, maybe you don't get that opportunity, and that's why you see only two candidates, and, and nothing against Otis Taylor because he was a great player. Right. But you'd expect by this point in franchise history there to be someone a little bit better than Taylor. And, Barber, it's not like it was peewee football players throwing them the ball. It was NFL football players, including Joe Montana, including Dave Craig, including a lot of guys that put up stats over the years. It's just crazy to think. And maybe you're right. It's just the M.O. of the Kansas City Chiefs that really, if you think about it, the only quote-unquote offensive-minded coach before Andy Reid that I can think of and I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody, was Dick Vermeil. Besides that, you go over the history of the Kansas City Chiefs, and it's really been about defense and running the football. Yeah, and, and you look at Vermeil's offense. I mean, I think they were 1-2 uh, the 2002, 2003, 2004 seasons. Yeah. The offense that Al, um, that, that Al ran when he was here was always one of the top yard producers in the year, I mean, year in and year out. So why go spend, you know, first-round, second-round money on a wide receiver when you're already bringing back one of the top uh, offenses in the league year after year and the best receiver is always going to be the third option in that situation too because you got tony gonzalez you got priest holmes they're all they're getting their production you're always going to play second fiddle in, with uh with those with those teams yeah and, and when you're talking about tony gonzalez i mean he he basically was a, a glorified wide receiver yeah. i mean basically as much as you went to him and relating it back to this year that's why i think there's a sneaky year that could be happening for chris conley because mm -hmm. who's going to be guarding him <laughs> it's got to be the worst player of the opposing team. I, I respect your theory, and it makes a lot of sense, Pete, but other guys, if Chris Conley has any more than, let's say, 40 receptions, you're going to hear somebody, Travis Kelsey, somebody's going to complain that they're not getting the ball enough. Yeah, that's true. Remember, we, we got into a situation when Jamal was still here, when it's just like, it was always a thing. Jamal should be getting the ball more. Jamal should be getting the ball more. There's going to be a player on the Chiefs because of all the talent that you're going to be like, they should be getting the ball more. But then it's like, well, who do you take it away from now? And when Jamal went down, it was the biggest blessing, I think, for the Chiefs offense and Andy Reid because he had to finally get creative. And obviously since then, they've added a lot of pieces named Tyreek Hill, named Kareem Hunt. It gets a lot easier when you add a free agent like Sammy Watkins, no question about that. But I think Andy Reid was kind of forced to get creative and change his offense on the fly. I think he had to trust Alex Smith a little bit more too, which, you know, I think that might have been a little bit 
of a help to that whole thing too. You know, letting more go on Alex's Smith, Alex Smith's plate, letting him kind of make some adjustments and stuff more at the line of scrimmage, giving him more autonomy because he's got to rely on him to get him in the right play. Coming up next, in my opinion, the best draft in the world is a fantasy football draft, followed by the real NFL draft, followed by the NBA draft. But Pete tells me we have to talk about the supplemental draft. So we'll do that next here on Arrowhead Pride Radio, 610 Sports Radio. I need to rein these guys in. I got Pete over here talking about 2,000 yards for Tyreek Hill. Take it easy. Welcome back into Arrowhead Pride Radio, 610 Sports Radio. We didn't even get out, give out the number, guys, for the text line, but the text line's blowing up. From the 620, come on, Barber. Eli Manning is a better quarterback than Alex Smith. 620, I agree with my man Barber, and I highly disagree with you. Alex Appreciate Smith was it. awesome last year, and Eli Manning, is that guy even still in the league? 620, Odell Beckham better in traffic. And then this is the one that I like the best from the 913. Easy, guys. So far, you've got those guys combined for 33 <laughs> touchdowns. But is is that so egregious to think that Patty Mahomes throws for 30? What's that? Two, my math's not great. 16 times 2. That's 32. Thir- that's not that Las, crazy. Las Vegas has his touchdown total in the low 20s. So not a good sign. Another bad sign from Las Vegas. <laughs> Vegas doesn't know how good Pat is. Vegas doesn't know how good the Chiefs are. They've got the Chiefs over under at 8.5, which is take that money to the bank. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes and how good he is, on the Arrowhead Pride Instagram, we just posted a picture. Pat's on the beach right now in Hawaii. He's got this hat on, and he's flexing for the camera. So if you wanted to take a look at that. Pat Mahomes chilling like Corey Dillon on penicillin. <laughs> All right, well, even though it is July, Kent likes to do something on the site called Chiefs Draft Miss, which I'm not sure. Is that anything, Kent, like Festivus? It is. It's it's basically festivist. It's you know how a kid feels at Christmas time is how a lot of nerds like me feel about the draft and this year the supplemental draft. Then I think I speak for a lot of people out there driving around, listening at home, listening online. However, you're getting this wonderful program that asks, "What in the hell is a supplemental draft?" <laughs> it uh. So basically, any player that. Uh, since the deadline to submit for the April traditional NFL draft, their eligibilities changed for academics, what have you. They are allowed to appeal to be in the supplemental draft, and it's it's done in July. It's done over email, and um, basically, there's no fanfare around. There's you're not gonna see it on television yet. Yet, yet, I'm I'm coming. We're gonna do a we're gonna do a live stream this week, aren't we? But is there? And I don't want to be too crass here, but is is there reason to have fanfare? Is this just a bunch of guys that couldn't pass classes and smoke too much weed? Well, normally, normally there's not very many guys that are worth taking. In fact, uh, I don't think we've had ones uh, a player selected since 2015, and we haven't had a good player selected since 2012 when Josh Gordon was just selected. But uh, this year, there's actually some prospects. That are worth taking a look at. And we're going to have profiles of three of the guys on Arrowhead Pride this week or next week. What makes it most interesting to me is what's been one of the bigger positions of need for the Chiefs. It's the secondary. Mm-hmm. And and the guys that are that could be taken among the three are, are in the secondary. It's whether or not the Chiefs do it. Right. No, there's, there's some very intriguing corner prospects. The two best prospects in this supplemental draft class of the five players that are in it. Uh, the two best are a couple corners, a guy named Sam Beal. He's a cornerback uh, from Western Michigan. He's about 6'1", 180 pounds, and uh, real intriguing man corner. Uh, man, he plays plays man really well. Um, and then there's another guy named Adonis Alexander, who is a 6'3", 195-ish pound cornerback from Virginia Tech. 
Uh, both of those guys are most likely going to be selected. What do you mean the secondary is maybe or is kind of a position of need? Isn't that the obvious position of need when you think about Marcus Peters being gone and Eric Berry coming off another injury? Yeah, I was asked the other day, what's the biggest question mark on defense? It's got to be. And I think it's the third cornerback. Like, we don't know what David Amerson is going to be. You know, Kendall Fuller, by all indications, is going to be good. You think Steven Nelson is going to be pretty good. David Amerson, ugh, behind him. What if one of those guys get injured? Ugh. Barber, as a guy that actually played on the Chiefs defense, is there a particular level that concerns you the most? Uh, not really. I mean, obviously, of the three, it's the uh, it's the back end. But I already told you, I mean, I'm, I'm in, I got a man crush, boy, what do you call Snapchat, whatever you want to call that, that kind of crush. Man, <laughs> man crush Thursday. Fan, fan girl, yeah. I got, <laughs> I got one of those on my man uh, Fuller from – that came over from the uh, Redskins, man. I, I just think I think he's the complete package. I think he is the the, the new lockdown corner. He's the next Champ Bailey. Ooh. Uh yeah. I can throw out some other names: Daryl Green, the next uh, whoever, whatever corner, Rod Woods. Ooh. You know what? Yeah, I think that man is headed for. Let's end the show. Time. They're going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> it's time to. It's just time to wrap it up. These names that you threw out there, any chance I'm so the Chiefs? Old. I'm just so old. I wasn't saying that, but I'm just, you're not old. You said that. I just, I love how you like to take it over the top. Like, you know, this guy's going to be good. He's going to be one of the best all time. He's yeah. going to be a borderline Hall of Fame. Chief offense going to be good. Oh man, they're scoring 35 a game. They're going to be one of the best all time. Hey, pass that Kool Aid, man. I want some of that. I'm going to drink that Kool Aid. Let me get a sip of that. I'm all in on it. What are, what are the chances though that this supplemental draft actually has any bearing on what the Chiefs do? You know, I think there's a decent chance. I mean, decent in the sense. I mean, I don't think it's like a 75% chance the Chiefs are going to get one of these guys, but I do think that there's a realistic chance that the Chiefs are well positioned and will be well positioned to place a bid or two on a prospect uh, next week. Matt Miller, Bleacher Report, he's a friend of Arrowhead Pride, a friend of ours. He has, and he, he's kind of connected in all this, he has the Chiefs interested in Sam Beals. The Chiefs were one of 32 teams, so everyone was there at his pro day. Uh, Sam Beal is getting third ground, round grades, so Kent, you can explain this a little more, but if you're getting a third-round grade, if you want him, you're going to have to give a third-round pick for next year. But the thought is, correct me if I'm wrong, if you want Beal, you probably got to get a second-rounder. And the Chiefs have two of those. Yeah, he's kind of like a, a late second, early third kind of grade. Um, just a little spoilers. That's close to the range that the Arrowhead Pride nerds have him uh, <laughs> that you'll see a little bit more about next week. Um, yeah, the Chiefs. You know, the Chiefs are well positioned uh, in the second round if they want to take a risk and invest one of the second round picks that they have uh, f- coming up in 2019. They got the Rams' second round pick from the Mark Spears trade. The Chiefs uh, could very well bid one of those second round picks on the services of Sam Beal. What are the chances that either these guys actually end up in a Chiefs uniform, and if they do, get on the field right away, or? There's some new faces in new places that we haven't gotten used to the last few years. I know that uh, Pete loves to talk about passing yoga, getting a lot of playing time. Breland Speaks' name comes up. Oh, Daniel. What are the chances that we see some new faces and new places actually getting significant playing time early on? Just across the board? I mean, I think I think we're going to see some fresh faces. I think we're going to see a lot of contribution from the rookie class in sub packages. I think, you know, you're going to see Dorian O'Daniel getting some run on third down for for instance and, and playing in the nickel. Um I think you're going to see, you know, Derek Nadi getting some early work. Um and then a guy like, you know, if they brought Sam Beal in, I don't know if he'd play right away. Uh, I think it takes some time. Part of the part of the negative about this whole thing is they don't get that OTA time. They don't get the mini camp time to develop. 
you know, they, they're probably going to be a learning curve for a guy like Sam Beal if he jumps in. But I think you're going to see plenty of new faces. I think I know the answer to this question, but which incumbent do you think is looking in his rearview mirror the closest on the defensive side? I wanna, I'm curious your guys' answer. It's got to be the fourth cornerback. And, and the reason why it's the fourth cornerback is because you don't even know who that is. <laughs> so if Sam Beal is drafted and Brett Feach has shown a, a tendency, if he likes a certain player in the draft, he's going to trade up. He right. traded up three times to go get him. So if he likes Sam Beal enough... He's going to be on this team, and he instantly becomes the fourth cornerback behind Amerson, and Amerson's the one who's going to be like, well, not only am I having a contract here, not only have I been playing down the last few years, this guy could be taking my job, and I'm not going to make any money again. And the, and the, the, the great thing about the position you're trying to attack, it's the cornerback. It's the Allen position anyway. You, you're in man coverage. You're in zone coverage. It's, the I think, the easiest position on the field to come in and have an immediate impact, no matter if you've been there for OTAs, you've been there or not. Hey, you're in zero. Take that guy away. Uh, you're in zone. Play cover two. Like he, everybody's played these coverages all through college. It should be an instant uh, opportunity to come in and show your skill sets. You guys completely convinced me. Now I think that's the only answer, but that's not where I was going, Ken. I was sure that they were going to say D4 because it seems to me that now is the time where, and I feel like we've been saying this for years because if you really want to call a spade a spade, and I like D4 as a guy, and I kind of like D4 as a player, I think the city's a little bit harsh on him. He's had one two-and-a-half-month stretch of really good football, and the rest of his time has been suspect. I think that he's a guy that as soon as somebody, a rookie, somebody else starts playing better than him, the Chiefs won't hesitate to take him off the field. I think I think that's fair. And I think what I think what we could expect to see with D Ford is he gets rele- relegated to a, a rush situation kind of player. Like, he's more of a situational kind of player. Like, uh, any of the early down work, like if Breland Speaks shows the ability to be good in the run game on early downs – He's going to get the early work, and then in in you know sub sub package situations, obvious passing downs. That's when you see D Ford, you know, kind of get his opportunities. But that might wind up being what his career is to this point. And the Chiefs drafted to know Passanio when Dorsey was still here, so you didn't really know what he's going to be. Dorsey just took him based upon athletic ability. They put him at outside linebacker, started working there because they're like, well, what do we have with D? Pretty much nothing. And then they drafted to nose replacement in Breland <laughs> Speaks. So he's kind of two degrees in this. And that's, and that's the unknown, and that's kind of fun. But here's the problem, Barber, is that there's unknown, not just with rookies, not just with guys that came over from other teams. I'd say there's more unknowns with guys that we're supposed to know about. I'm talking about Chris Jones. I don't know what the hell he's going to be this year. I'm not exactly sure if Eric Berry is going to come back completely healthy. Is Justin Houston going to have eight sacks, or is he going to have 22 sacks? That, to me, is the problem. The guys that you're supposed to be able to completely count on are still have huge question marks. Hey, Sean, don't lose no sleep over those guys. Those guys are, <laughs> right? those guys are proven. But right? I do. Don't. Don't. You know, what is it? Control the things you have control over. Don't worry about the things you have no control over, right? Um, you don't know what the weather's going to be like tomorrow, so stop preparing for You're it. You're talking the weather machine here, but yes, I, I, do know, I do know what it's going to be tomorrow. All right, 102 and hot as hell. But the Chiefs going to be all right on the defensive front. The front seven's going to be great. Um, the cor- the cornerback position is the one. Is when we talk about third and fourth corner, the one you're going to be worried about. And obviously, if the, you know, we just need the safeties to stay healthy. The safety, you know, the ones that we have, obviously, Barry coming back, he just needs to stay healthy. Um, it's a completely different defense when he is out there than when he's not. And, we, and it, it showed itself last year. Game one, he was out there. We beat the Patriots. Uh, the rest of the season was kind of a, you know, the back end was kind of a miss, you know, hit and miss, depending on who was back there. Cornerback, if they go to cornerback again, the supplemental draft is next Wednesday at July 11th. It'll just be something to keep an eye on in this dead period. I mean, think about everything that we're talking about. It's all hypotheticals at this point. This is real. 
So the Chiefs could really have another rookie cornerback next Wednesday. And health is always of paramount importance when you're talking about the NFL. It's something that you plan on. You know guys are going to get injured. But on the offensive side, I think that they could take a hit or two. Now, if that's Patrick Mahomes, then everybody's going to cry because we've been talking about this guy now every single day. It seems like every single minute since the second that he got drafted. But I think that if one of these other skill set players go down, there's enough other skill set players to take over. And as a matter of fact, I don't think they'll skip a beat. I hope it doesn't happen, but on defense, man, there's not a ton of depth that I see with this too deep. If they face the injuries they've had the last couple of years, you think about Eric Berry going down, then you lose Justin Houston a couple of years ago, I think they're screwed. Yeah, I I, I think that's fair. I mean, you know, you know, they've kind of uh they've kind of lost a little bit of their depth. You know, from the last couple of years, they let guys like Benny Logan go and stuff like that. So there's a lot of new faces in here. So they're going to be leaning, and they're going to have to lean on whether whether they're 100% healthy or not on new faces. It's going to be a learning curve for a lot of these for a lot of these new guys coming in. And there's a very good chance that some of them are going to be leaned on more than they expected. And the big thing is read between the lines. If you listen to Brett Veach after the draft, he said, I went into this draft, and I wanted to get a pass rusher. And that's why they ended up going way higher than a lot of people had Breland Speaks graded because they liked him as a pass rusher. What does that tell you? You know, we need to give a break to this secondary who maybe won't be as talented. You know, if you look at that, like, Giants team that beat the Patriots and they get the pass rush, your secondary doesn't have to be that good. And I think maybe that aggressiveness is what the Chiefs are relying on this year. That's Pete Sweeney of Arrowhead Pride sitting in with Ken Swanson, former Kansas City Chief Sean Barber, on the buttons across the glass. That's Julio Sanchez. I'm the sports machine, Sean Levine. It's Arrowhead Pride Radio coming up next. My mom always told me that it's good to stand out. It's good to be unique. You want to be that one guy. But what if you're that one guy left in the city that's still defending Bob Sutton? We're going to talk to that guy next. Arrowhead Pride Radio, 610 Sports Radio. And we roll along, 610 Sports Radio, Arrowhead Pride Radio with Pete Sweeney, sports machine, Sean Levine, and former Kansas City Chief, Sean Barber. Barber, this is our fourth show, and I think that you just made the best point that you've made. Unfortunately, the microphones were off, so give you a quick shot at that. You were talking about during the break to Pete and I how the Chiefs not only have the weapons finally, but the weapons matching up with the right philosophy. Definitely. You know, we, we talk about Andy Reid and what, what makes him such a guru as far as that offensive sets, offensive philosophy, is he always talks about creating packages. There's a, there's a Hill package, there's a Kelsey package, there's a Hunt package, now there's a Watkins package defensively, you go into a game, you can take away one player and maybe have eyes for another. You can't take away four different guys and and no defense. And so once guys start to focus on uh, Hunt coming out the backfield, then we're going to be able to go over the top with Hill. We're going underneath with Watkins and Kelsey. If you want to take away the mid-level, then we'll hit you deep with Tyreek Hill and then go outside runs with with Hunt. I mean, it's going to be a – a, a juggernaut, juggernaut, juggernaut type of offense week in and Almost. week out. You know who they say actually had the biggest package is former Kansas City Chief quarterback Nick Foles, but that's really neither here nor there. <laughs> oh, so my heart. We, my we, heart. We can get into <laughs> other stuff on the football field. We've talked a little offense. Let's talk a little bit of defense because, Pete, you found the one guy that still defends Bob Sutton. That's right. It's once again time for our AP defensive film analyst and Beer expert Craig Stout to come on with us. And I wouldn't necessarily say, Craig, that you're a Bob Sutton supporter, but more of a Bob Sutton truther. Is that true? Yeah, that's absolutely true. I have lots of problems with what Bob does, but my problem that I run into is the constant false narratives about Bob. Um, He gets accused of dropping his 
outside linebackers into coverage over half the time, and that's not true, or playing non-aggressive defenses, and that's not true. And so I really just try and reframe the conversation. I don't have a problem with criticizing Bob, but I want it to be right. Now you put out a piece this week about pat, uh, pattern matching uh, coverages, and, and what, what you were trying to get your point across is that a lot of people, when they go to the games, you know, you've had a couple cocktails, just come out, just come back from tailgate, and you're looking at what Bob's doing, and the defenses aren't working. And a lot of people say, nah, this is very vanilla. He's not changing it up. But that's not true at all. No, not at all. As a matter of fact, my piece this week on pattern matching cover three coverages is actually based off of Nick Saban's pattern matching concepts that he came up with when he and Bill Belichick were with the Cleveland Browns. And what it ends up being is this hybrid cover three, cover one defense that's a man and a zone defense that is predicated upon uh, following the offense's receivers' patterns and routes as they run them. So maybe a receiver runs an under route, and that completely shifts the coverages on that side. And that's not something that's a vanilla defense. That's a very complicated sort of thing that, that the coverage players have to account for on the fly for the last few years whoever the chief's offensive coordinator has been they've gotten credit for basically how good the individuals on that side of the ball have been and a lot of that has to do with drafting a lot of that has to do with different packages and that type of thing we all know that that is an incredibly talented side of the ball let's shift over to the defensive side because that's what we're talking about now with craig stout my question is this how much of the issue not just last year but the past few years is bob sutton and how much is the issue just not having as much talent on that side of the ball I think that the talent was mostly names. You know, we, we know all these names and these players that were legitimately great players for the Chiefs. Derek Johnson's one of my very favorite Chiefs ever. Justin Houston is a great player that's coming off of a knee injury and hasn't been quite the same as he was back before, you know, 22 sacks. But the, the players themselves maybe weren't quite as good as the the front office had hoped. But at the same time, Bob did get stuck in some of his tendencies and tried to square peg a few players into round holes, and it didn't work out as well either. So you expect this year to be a lot different, a lot better for this Chiefs defense? Who do I expect to be better? No, so you expect in general, you know, it might be a um, misconception to just assume that this Chiefs defense is, is going to be worse. Yeah. I, I really think uh, Steven Nelson isn't getting enough uh, conversation about him right now. He's one of the guys that's really going to uh, benefit the Chiefs by being on the field. He's one of those guys that can play outside and inside. So he is a just a perfect match for these pattern matching, you know, cover three looks because he understands the route trees. As a slot player, you have to be able to defend the whole field. Whereas a boundary player, you get to you know have the sideline there to have an extra defender basically against it. So I think he's one of the guys, along with Eric Berry's return, at the addition of Kendall Fuller, that really improve the secondary and make them better. Now, Craig, just as Steve Nelson understands route trees, you understand beer trees. As as as, as you do every week, we're ready for the beer of the week. What do you got for us this week? Okay, I had a beer locked and loaded and ready to go this week, but I had to call an audible because yesterday I went to the liquor store and picked me up 
some dogfish head lupu luau. <laughs> what the hell? He just, what, what did you just say? The, the the name of the brewery is Dogfish Head. They're from the Northeast, and the beer is Lupu Luau IPA. It is a coconut infused IPA, and it is incredibly refreshing. We spent yesterday out by the pool. I drank several of them. It was delicious. Most people will drink Budweiser, something American, or a bully, something. American uh, on the 4th of July. We have Craig pulling out Dogfish Head Lupu Luau. How do you how do you discover these things? Because you mentioned walking into the liquor store. They told me never <laughs> to judge a book by its cover. And that's, Craig, what I always do. I go to the liquor store and I'm like, well, this bottle of wine looks cool. I don't really care how, ch- I was going to say how expensive it is. Let's be honest, how cheap it is. I don't really care as long as the bottle looks cool. How do you decide what becomes the beer of the week? Well, how do I decide what becomes the beer of the week? Yeah, like how do you go into the liquor store and just decide? We want to know about the process. Yeah, what's the process? Oh, uh, the process. I I have drank literally thousands of beers, thousands of different beers. Uh, I'm not overstating that. And I have come up with things that I like, come up with things that I know I don't like, and I really like to try stuff that is outside the norm. I don't like getting stuff that's just the staple everything beer. So I like going out and finding stuff that, you know, you wouldn't think of normally. Are you are you offended when, water. when you're at the bar with your boy and your boy goes, yeah, I'll, just, I'll take a Bud Light? Does that offend you? Um, None of my boys drink Bud Light. Oh, okay. All right. Well, I figured as a guy that's drank <laughs> thousands of different kinds of beers, he'd be offended by that. He's no craft beer snob. Now, if you want to see Craig's stuff, Craig is doing a lot of unique stuff at ArrowheadPride.com. All of his stuff is there. The things we just talked about, Bob Sutton, you can find it. His name's Craig Stout. Craig, you do a fantastic job. Thank you once again for your analysis and, of course, your beer of the week. Thanks, guys. I appreciate how we came up with a term for what he is because we don't want to say he's a supporter or even a defender. What did we decide when? A truther? He's a true. He's Bob Sutton. Truther? He's not a Bob Sutton supporter, but he's a truther. Yeah, I mean, I think Bob does really get a bad rap for the game plans he comes up with, and I've said it before. If you look at the Chiefs' moves this offseason, they thought it was a more of a personnel issue. They drafted all defensive players. Barber, as a guy that actually played on the Chiefs' defense, how important is the personnel versus the guy on the sideline that's calling the plays? Well, I'm Team Sutton. I've always been Team Sutton. Um, I always say, you know, Coach Sutton, he doesn't miss any tackles. He doesn't get misaligned. Um, he didn't drop any interceptions, and he didn't miss any pick sixes. So it's hard for me to uh, to, to really be so hard on, on Bob Sutton when I know that um, fundamentally he gets the guys. He he makes the calls that need to be made. It's just an, from an execution standpoint, you have the guys, they got to get there. They got to make the sack. They got to make the play. Um, get your hands on the ball. You got to make those type plays. And I saw that happen uh, not enough times last year. That's Sean Barber, former Kansas City Chief. Julio Sanchez crossed the glass on the buttons. Arrowhead Prides, Pete Sweeney. Thank you also to Arrowhead Prides, Craig Stout, and his suggestion of, help me out, Pete, dogfish head, Lulu, Lulu, what do you call that? It was the Luau. <laughs> Lupu. Do you remember? <laughs> Sports Machine, Sean Levine, final segment coming up, Arrowhead Pride Radio, where we want to know what you want to know. We're going to answer your questions coming up next right here on AP Radio, 610 Sports Radio. All right, boys, let's put a bow on this week's edition of Arrowhead Pride Radio here on 610 Sports Radio with a jovial dancing. Got some moves over there, my dude. Sean Barber. (laughs) 
former Kansas City Chief Julio Sanchez, Arrowhead Pride's Pete Sweeney, sports machine Sean Levine. Pete, what are the people talking about? You know, this is becoming my favorite part of the show because this is where we even got the Odell Beckham Tyreek Hill argument. Posted it on the website the day after this question because it you know got a lot of interesting responses and really took off as a story. So once again, we're going to read your tweets and talk about it. First tweet comes from Joshua Forrest, the leading Chiefs receiver this year. Start with you, Barbara. I'm going to go with Sammy Watkins. When we say leading receiver, we're talking about yardage or receptions. Yardage. Yardage, I'm going with Sammy Watkins. Yeah. Receptions, I'm going with Sammy Watkins. Touchdowns, I'm going with Sammy Watkins. Yeah, you're not going to like my answer because I'm going to do what Barber did, and I'm going to split it up. If we're counting Kelsey as a wide receiver, as a pass catcher, I'm going to say he leads in touchdowns. I actually think you're right. Sammy Watkins is going to really benefit from Tyreek Hill and as well as the rest of the weapons on that side of the ball. So I'll say Kelsey has 13 touchdowns, and I think that Watkins has something like 11. Tyreek Hill has 10. That's a lot of touchdowns for Patty Cake. Touchdowns on touchdowns. As far as receiving yards go, I'm sticking with my guy, Tyreek Hill. I mean, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be behind him against Odell Beckham Jr., I gotta be behind him against the rest of the Chiefs. He had 1,183 receiving yards last year. Were you kind of tongue in cheek when you said 2,000 because he had a serious with that flat bill hat with a wry look? Were you serious or you know it couldn't be it could be a making the leap candidate, Tyreek Hill, 2,000 yards. You know, you what, you, know, you know what you're you doing, know. Pete. You're you being not, you're being non-committal. You're being the guy that when he does have 2,000, you're gonna go back and say, "See, I told you so." That's what you're doing. Always protect yourself. Looking in advance. AP user pour one out for Mahomes. How long until a well-known Kansas City restaurant has a dish named after Mahomes? I'll set the over under at two seasons. Is there right now not like a patty cake chocolate shake that you can get at Winstead's or something? That is I'm, I'm a gonna, tremendous name. I'm going to say six months go, go maximum. Visit, uh, go to the Tropical Cafe on 159th in Antioch and you'll get a tropical smoothie called the Patty Cake Shake by my son, Nico Barber, who's a shakeologist. Oh, your kid works there. I figure you had stock With in there something. With that in mind, I mean, we did Andy Reid's mac and cheese this offseason. If there's somewhere out there. In Kansas City, that is serving something named Mahomes. We'll come try it, video it. We'll throw it up on Arrowhead Pride. Uh, free advertising is what we call it. What about the patty pancakes at <laughs> the, the, the restaurant formerly known it, as IHOP? Now if it previously existed, it doesn't count. All right. Jamie Max Power Jackson, strong name. How many running backs will this team keep, and who will they be? I'll go with four running backs, um, definitely with uh, Hunt, um, Spencer Ware, West, and uh, the fourth is going to be one of the Williams brothers. One of the three. <laughs> yeah, one of the Williams brothers. One third of the Williamses. There's so many Williams that I agree with you. I can't tell you which one it's going to be, but you'd imagine one of the Williams. And I see no reason. I mean, obviously, Kareem Hunt's going to make this team. Spencer Ware's going to make this team. I suppose the only real question mark if he's actually going to make the roster is Sharkhandrick West. So I'll go with, can I say three and a half? Four. That's my answer. Four. I say four, and I, I think you got to go Kareem Hunt and all Williamses. Really? No. No, it's going to be Kareem Hunt, Sharkandrick West, a returning Spencer Ware, and Daryl Williams. Get in there, Williams. The Not undrafted, you, Williams. The undrafted guy. The undrafted guy. AP user, stress-free Bill. Could Demetrius Harris see more red zone opportunities this year? How does Mahomes impact his utilization? It's funny to me when we would bring up anybody's name except for Tyree Killer, Kareem Hunt, or Travis Kelsey, or Sammy Watkins. You brought up Conley earlier. I just don't see a lot of other guys outside those main four offensive weapons getting touches. Harris has been a go-to guy for the Chiefs in the past in the red zone for one reason or another. I think it's because Andy Reid really likes those big guys in the red zone. But 
Underrated part of Sammy Watkins' game. Very, very good when it comes to the red zone. Is Demetrius Harris still facing a suspension or something going on? One suspension, uh, one game suspension week one. Okay, one game. Uh, I won't hold that against them. But I think, I mean, like you're saying, so many weapons, I think they get used to the three wides. We get away from the two tight ends. I, I think Demetrius Harris might even struggle to get on the field. Ugh, don't say that about Demetrius. Football? P.J. Castleman, if a Chiefs starting cornerback falls to injury, who would be the most likely backup? Will Redmond, Tremont Smith, Keith Reeser, or another? I hope they don't run into that issue. Honestly, that's like one maybe, of my biggest Maybe concerns. that supplemental draft guy. Th- get, uh, throw Williams out there. <laughs> I'm going to give you a name to watch. Oregon rookie, Arion Springs. Undrafted guy. Remember the name Springs. Last question this week. Louis G., why do you guys think everyone assumes the Chargers will win the AFC West this season? I'm not sure. Las Vegas has the Chargers over under at nine and a half, which means if you want to take your ticket to the window, that's 10 wins. Barbara, I'm not convinced that that's a double-digit win football team. No, I got Chiefs, Raiders, Broncos. I got Chargers coming last place in the AFC Oh, wow. I don't think they're going to be that bad. I think the Broncos have that position wrapped up. You know, the national hype is there for Mahomes. Local hype's there. But for some reason, everyone thinks the Chargers are going to win the AFC West. Look in the past. Back to back to back. I got the Chiefs. Chargers, Broncos, and Raiders. Thanks to Craig Stout of Arrowhead Pride, also Ken Swanson, former Kansas City Chief, Sean Barber, spinning the wheels across the glass, Julio Sanchez, my main man, Pete Sanchez, Sports Machine, Sean Levine, same bat time, same bat channel Pete next Sanchez. week. What the hell's your name? Pete Sweeney. Yeah, I combined your names. It happens. Sports Machine, Sean Levine, I think that's what they call me. We'll be back next week, same time, same channel, Arrowhead Pride Radio.